Last week when we began our preaching series, that of the born identity, us examining who and what God has made us to be, we arrived at the realization that there are many who try to have a claim upon us, many who try to say they have a stake in who and what we are. Some of them are good people in our lives, such as our friends and families. They don't mean harm by trying to claim who and what we are. Others are friends, and sometimes our boss, our co-workers, those who are around us. Typically, they do not mean harm, but yet they can still do damage by having a false claim, claiming that a false identity belongs to us. But there is one individual who desires our destruction, who desires our suffering, who desires for us to remain in the false identity because if we remain in that false identity, he has power over us. He still has a claim, that of a false claim, and that is Satan himself and all his minions. This week, we discuss the first of the sacraments of initiation as part of this born identity, and that is the sacrament of baptism. And baptism is a powerful sacrament. It's one of the sacraments that are so explicitly spoken about in Scripture and commanded by our Lord. In fact, the great commission to his apostles in Matthew is go out into the world preaching the gospel and baptizing all the nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's so important that it's not only mentioned once, but it's mentioned multiple times, and we see it throughout the Acts of the Apostles. It's one of the sacraments that all Christians can agree on as necessary for salvation, that it is the base minimum, the requirement to be called a Christian. But it is a beautiful sacrament. It's a wonderful sacrament. It is a sacrament that many of us maybe do not give enough thought to, for it has two things it does. The first is that it makes us a new creation, and the second, it bestows particular graces upon the individual. In fact, the early church fathers of the church, and as is written in Latin upon our baptismal font, the older one, it says, this is the fountain of life, the waters of regeneration. And again, we're talking about sacraments of initiation, and this is that first sacrament, that of baptism. And these sacraments, they are by which a believer receives forgiveness of original and personal sin and begins a new life in Christ and the Holy Spirit, and they are incorporated into the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ. In a way, they receive a citizenship in the kingdom of God. They receive a new passport, new papers, a new claim to a new identity. Baptism in itself, the word means to plunge or to immerse. And how beautiful it is to be immersed firstly in water in the physical way, but we are immersed by that action into the waters of death, into the death of Jesus Christ. And in that death, we too rise again just as Christ rose from the dead. That is the promise we hear in St. Paul to the Romans as so often we hear in the funeral liturgy. If we who have been baptized into a death like Christ, we too shall have the same hope that we too shall rise with him. In those waters, those waters of regeneration, we become a new creation. The old man, as St. Paul talks about in Galatians, is put away. He dies in the water. A new life comes forth. 
and it purifies as a purifying water. In fact, there's a beautiful portion of the baptismal rites where we're praying. The priest prays over the water a particular prayer. And that prayer is praying for a purification of the water, but it's also recalling every time water has been used in salvation history and how water was prefigured to be that by which new children of the kingdom of God would come about. In fact, some described the baptismal font in the early church as the womb of the church by which new children come forth, new children of God. Again, its two effects are the purification of our sins, both original and also personal sin. But it makes us a new creation. We receive a new identity. And that identity begins in the baptismal rite when we are signed with the sign of the cross by the priest and then our parents and our godparents when we were invited to do such. In that, the child, each and every one of us here, is claimed by the power of the cross, by the salvific action of Jesus, by the price that was paid to pay that innumerable debt that we could never pay ourselves. It is the cross that was that bill of sale for us to be purchased by Christ, to become his own for him to have that claim upon us. Last week we talked about how the devil tries to have that claim upon who and what we are. But the only one who has the bona fides, who has the paper, who has the seal that is the marks upon his hand and his feet and his side, the wounds upon his back, he, Jesus Christ, is the only one who can have a claim upon who and what we are. And in that baptism, we too receive a seal. We too receive a mark. We receive an indelible mark, a mark that could be never taken away, a mark upon our very soul. And that is why baptism can never be repeated as a sacrament that can only be done once in the life of an individual because of the mark of being marked as belonging to Christ for all eternity. As if Christ took a a, an, an expo um, or a sharpie marker and marked our soul saying, this one belongs to me. This one is one whom I love and whom I have given myself completely for. And I make them something new. In fact, in the early church, this action was called the sphargus. We would describe this as the sphargus. Sphargus is the Greek word to describe the mark, the brand that was placed upon the arm of a Roman soldier when he entered the legion. He would be permanently marked as one serving that of Rome. And in fact, if he were to leave his legion without papers saying, I am in good standing with my legion, he would be sentenced as a deserter. In the same way, we too are marked. We are marked for Christ. That if anyone were to encounter and know who and what we are, they would say, that one is a Christian. That one belongs to Christ. We too are marked in a similar way. And of course, we don't have to travel around with papers to prove our bona fides. Christ has done that for us. And no sin, no action can ever re erase that mark. And thus, even if sin prevents baptism from producing the fruits that it should in the life of a Christian, they are still marked for Christ. And unfortunately, it's a sad reality when those who leave the faith because Christ has given himself so much for them, but yet they reject that great action of love. And this mark particularly consecrates us for that of Christian worship, that we 
are able to enter into the heavenly kingdom with that new citizenship. We again receive that new identity. We become an adopted son or daughter of God the Most High. We are incorporated into the family of God and are able to participate in the very life of God. Not only that, but we are incorporated into the mystical body of Christ, which is every single Christian, every single one who is baptized and receives the Eucharist. We are united in one body, and that is with Christ as our head. In 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10, it says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may announce the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his own wonderful light. Once you were no people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In this way, we become partakers in the divine nature of God through sanctifying grace. This means that the believer can live in God's virtue, living out faith, hope, and charity. And their new life is fed through supernatural grace in baptism. And thus in this way, by being marked for Christ, our life is no longer our own. It belongs to him for it was bought with the ultimate price, that of his own life. St. Paul in Galatians says, I live no longer I, but Christ lives in me. And again, we receive not only this new identity, but, but particularly grace, sanctifying grace, sacramental grace, grace that transforms who and what we are, that gives us the ability to go out and live the Christian life. Again, talking about sealing, there's multiple times we are sealed with the sign of the cross and another portion of the baptismal rite is that of the post-baptismal anointing with chrism where the child is anointed with that aromatic oil, that oil that is only used three times in the life of a Christian possibly, that of baptism, confirmation, and for a male, that of holy priesthood. This is a powerful oil. This is the oil that represents Christ himself and we sign the child upon the head saying, you will now be a priest, a prophet, a king. Priest in that we offer worship to God that this new child, this new creation is able to offer true worship from their heart to God. They are meant to be a prophet, those who go out into the world and proclaim the truth of who Jesus Christ is to proclaim the kingdom of God wherever they go, be it their words or their lives. And finally, as a king, as those who are called to help build up the kingdom of God upon earth. In that way, that grace we receive in baptism aids us in that particular way of living out the Christian life. And the grace of baptism doesn't deliver no one from all the weaknesses of nature. The weak, those weaknesses are still there. But on the contrary, we must battle the movements of concupiscence that never cease leading us into evil. Though we are baptized, it doesn't mean the battle is over. In fact, it means for us the war has just begun in the Christian life, the war against the kingdom of darkness that each and every one of us, as Saint Paul, or, or sorry, Peter talked about that we were called out of. To claim ground for Christ, it begins in the font of baptism. 
And in Jesus, we receive our nourishment through that baptism, but also through Christ. In John 15, 5, Christ says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit because without me you can do nothing. In the waters of baptism, we are grafted to the vine that is Christ and we receive the nourishment, receive that grace continuously. But again, the enemy comes again. He comes always to come to kill, steal, and destroy. And the enemy says, you didn't receive a new identity. You're still mine. I still have a claim upon you. The kingdom of darkness still has that debt of sin upon your, upon your head and your heart. And the enemy wants us to rob us of this identity that Christ so freely gives to us in baptism. Satan tries to come at us with a birthright of death saying you are your sin, that sin has a claim on you, that he is entitled to you, and that you are not worthy of God, that you're an outsider, that you'll never be part of the family of God, that you'll never be part of the Christian family as an adopted son or daughter. Those are the lies the enemy continually brings to us to try and beat us down because he knows that when Christ claims us, all things become possible in the Christian life, that we become those who represent Christ to others and we break down stone by stone the kingdom he has built on earth, the devil. The truth is, Christ says, I claim you for Christ. And we say that in the baptismal rite, I claim you for Christ by tracing the sign of the cross upon your forehead. In this way, that seal of authenticity is placed upon the Christian and it's saying, you are mine. You are my beloved. This is what is so important that this first sacrament brings us into our identity. In the next two weeks, we'll talk about how are we nourished in the supernatural life and the life that baptism brings to us through the grace and new identity. And that will be through the Eucharist. But I have an action item for you. I want each of you, if possible, to invite one person to Mass next week who is either not baptized or someone who you know is baptized but is not living out their Christian identity, is not living out their faith. Firstly, invite them to listen to our talks, our, the homilies for week one and week two. But invite them to come to Mass for next week when we talk about the Most Holy Eucharist the greatest way that Christ gives himself to us by giving him us his very flesh to consume, to give us life. Invite him for next week and also maybe invite them to the mission that we're having next Thursday. Father Champagne's coming out to preach on adoration in the Holy Eucharist. Maybe invite them to that too. You never know the fruit that the seeds of a simple invitation can bear in the life of another. Amen.